When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Hi, my name is Tim Turner. Uh, I'm a super trucking, crime creeping, Weirdo from Sioux City, Iowa, and I love listening to the Case Watch podcast. Thank you. Hey, Tim. We love it. Hi, Tim. It does not get old, ladies and gentlemen. Guys, keep calling in and leaving us messages. We love it. We got a couple more to burn through, but we are getting down to the end of the list. So like Charity said, keep them rolling in because nothing makes me happier, Charity, when I see I get a voicemail notification and I pop on and we get some really kick-ass ones. I love, love it. it. I love hearing their voices. Real quick at the top of the show, I got to give a shout out to a new crime creep. His name is Graham. Hi, Graham. He was uh, mine and Kristen's waiter yesterday at uh, Not Your Average Joe's in Nashua, and he is a crime aficionado, I guess I would say. Ooh, there's lots of us out there. So he saw the shirt, and the Crime Creep shirt. I was wearing it. Yes, I wear my own swag. Oh, I do too. And he asked a bunch of questions, and then he looked us up, and then he come back, and he's like, you guys cover a bunch of cool cases. This is really cool. Nice. And I'm going to call the voicemail line and leave you guys a voicemail. So we're waiting, Graham. Come on, Graham. You have been called out. Welcome to the official Crime Creep Club. We are so happy to have you. Super stoked, man. And honestly, so happy to all of our other crime creeps as well. Charity, do you know what they do? What do they do, Mark? They go to Apple Podcasts. Oh, they do. They punch in Case Watch Podcast. Mm-hmm. They leave a five-star review. Mm-hmm. They do. They do an amazing job at it. And guys, that's the biggest. People ask a lot. What can we do to help the show? That is it. That is the number one thing people can do. Because honestly... Even though everybody doesn't use Apple, that's how the ratings are done, and that's how the show gets spread, is just from that. Exactly. Five-star review. We appreciate it. Maybe we'll read a couple of these cool ones on the air at some point. Oh, my gosh, we should, because some of them are really funny, too. They're they're very clever. I do like some of them. Some of them are really cool. The one I liked the best that was, uh, how'd that go? Oh, yeah. They're a Mark fan? Yes. I love that one. Somebody actually put that, like... I. I'm on Mark's team. Yeah. I'm team Mark. Which is fine. You don't all have to be on both of our teams. I mean, it'd be nice, but it's okay. There was a charity one there too. Of course. 
All right, guys, a case update. Many of you remember Elizabeth and Jasmine Snyder. They were unfortunately the two children whose bodies were found in shallow graves in Hepburn Township, north of Williamsport, on November 5th and 6th. Marie Snyder, 32, made the admission while testifying at a two-hour preliminary hearing for Echo Butler and Butler's 53-year-old father, Ronald, The mother of the two young girls whose bodies were unearthed in Lycoming County in November admitted in court Wednesday that she and her lover intentionally starved them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, just like the hair on my arm is standing right now. Me too. Snyder waived her preliminary hearing on first degree murder and related charges and testified for the prosecution. District Attorney Ryan Gardner went on to say she decided she wanted to do something right for her daughters after not doing so when they were alive. Snyder broke down when describing the final two weeks before Nicole's death, when she was not given any food or water. The child weighed only 10 pounds. Mark, oh my God. Yeah, was pale, not verbal, and her hair was falling out. Oh my God. She died on or about May 10th, 2016. All right. With that being said, trigger warning, guys. This is a summary of Snyder's testimony that occurred on that day. We're not going to get into all of it because, honestly, it makes me makes me sick. It really does. Echo took the child from her bed, put her in a hot bath, bumped her head on the tub when she lifted her out and put her on the living room floor where she died. She as in Snyder, called 911 before her daughter stopped breathing, but was told by Echo and Michelle Butler to hang up. A dispatcher on a callback was told that the initial call was a mistake. Oh, my God. Yeah. Nicole was then placed in her bed and covered as if she was sleeping. Echo and she went to the store while figuring out what to do with the body. This is her daughter. This is. Let's not forget this, people. When they returned to the trailer home, they shared on Livermore Road with the butlers. They placed the body in a shed where it remained for several days. Echo dug a shallow grave at the rear of the trailer and placed the body in it while Michelle Butler added mothballs to cover any odor. This is just a group of absolute douchebags. I am in complete and utter disgust right now. It's sickening. Jasmine was treated well for a time when she returned from spending time with a relative of Echo's because Snyder said she told her lover she did not want to lose another child. They were living on Catherine Street in Williamsport when Jasmine died on or about August 11th, 2017, after several weeks of no food or water. She weighed only five pounds and her bones were visible, Snyder went on to say. Guys, let's not forget these kids were four and six. And they weighed five and ten pounds, Charity. Poor little babies. The body was placed in the trunk of her car, taken to the Livermore Road address, placed in a shed, and Echo said Michelle Butler decided she would be buried next to her sister. Oh, isn't that lovely? What a scumbag. So she wouldn't be alone. Ugh. This is very, very sickening to me, Charity. Like, I I have a hard time it's the worst. reading this. This is the worst of the worst, right? Like, this is where, yeah. where, you know, there is not one excuse that could be used for this. There's none. No. If anyone asked about the daughter, Snyder said Echo and Michelle Butler told her to say they were living with her father 
All of her daughter's belongings were burned. Ugh. Snyder described Echo Butler as the instigator. Come on, guys. You're letting this happen, so they give me a break. E- she wouldn't even be in the, your children's lives if it wasn't for you. So you, my friend, are a douchebag. I agree. You can go on to say she was the instigator of all the abuse, but at the end of the day, you let it happen. You're mm-hmm. equally at fault. Equally. She went on to say that Echo was the primary caregiver while she was at work. Now, we'll just do a couple more of these because, honestly, this case really upsets me. Mm-hmm. She went on to say the abuse included having the girls stand for hours facing a blank wall, sometimes with their hands tied behind their backs. Jasmine, who was also restrained in a car safety seat, hitting them in the open hands, bashing their heads against the walls and the floors and screaming at them, rubbing their faces in their feces and urine if they had an accident. Let's not remember, Jasmine was not potty trained. Oh, my God. You guys, I, I, I this an eye for an eye right here. Yeah, I agree. And then, last but not least, feeding them small portions of cereal and crackers along with two sips of water. Do you know what this kind of is similar to? (laughs) Just the last case we just did? Good old Mary and Alice. This is, you know what bothers me the most about this, Charity? Is this is not just once now we've heard about this. This is numerous times. Oh, and it's there's there's way more out there, sadly. That's what I was going to say. How many more is this happening that we do not know? It's so sad, but we have to get this. We have to talk about this, guys, because we need for this to stop. Here's my problem. If you don't want a kid, give them up for adoption. There are so many people in this world who want children of their own that for whatever reason are unable to do so that would love to give a child a home. I don't want to jump up on my soapbox here, but I'm going to. Go ahead. If you, I find people who do not take care of their kids scumbags. They're, They're losers. I can't stand them. I won't be friends with somebody like you. But if you realize that you don't have what it takes to raise your kid, I will be nothing but respectful to the fact that you realize that and you gave your kid a better life. Absolutely. Guys, it's not about you. You want to go out and live your life and do your own thing and, you know, Pull a allegedly Casey Anthony or whatever else and party and do whatever you want. And your kids in the way. There are plenty of people who will gladly, like I said, take that child. Absolutely. Do the right thing. People, if you're going to do anything in life, do the right thing and do not put on your children this kind of pain. Please don't. It makes me nauseous. With that being said, let's wash our hands of these douchebags and we'll report on this again as more information comes out because it sounds like now there is going to be a lot more that starts to come to the you know forefront and unfortunately probably down the road once all the information comes out um we'll be able to provide a full yes episode on the case itself i i think it definitely needs one i agree all right charity what do you have for us today it's the, uh, you know, excuses segment, Mark. Uh, Charity, come on. Get it right. I'm it sorry. is the, as of now, still, and will always be, unnamed, <laughs> stupid criminal excuses. But guess what? What? There's more? This is the pedophile edition. Ew. Yeah. The, talk about the worst of the worst. Scumbags. 54-year-old Ronald Martin's wife finally had enough of him looking at child pornography in 2017 and turned him in. What? What do you mean had enough? Shouldn't the first time be enough? That's <laughs> just yeah. Like, I, is there an actual limit? That's like how long did she acceptable? know? How long did she know before she did something? Whatever. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Good old Ron wasn't responsible for his actions, of course. You see, one day he fell to the ground, and a bug with eight million legs crawled out of his mouth. 
I wonder how long it took him to count all those legs. Apparently, Mark, this bug was very powerful, even supernatural, perhaps. Ronald told police when the bug entered his body, it gained full possession and was responsible for his actions. Strangely, this excuse did not work. And good old Ronnie was sentenced to three to six years in prison. That is um, three to six years. Not enough. I agree. There should just be life. Honestly, I I don't get it. Bugs? Really? Superhuman spiders? Whatever this is? Just one bug with exactly 8 million legs. Oddly specific. Uh, Oddly. Yeah. (laughs) I have no respect for this gentleman. These people aren't. Sorry, gentlemen. I have no respect for this douchebag. Exactly. Next. In 2019, Irving Marquise was caught distributing child pornography he had downloaded. He would never have done any of this if he hadn't had West Nile in 2009. He was totally normal before 2009, but after the virus, he became sexually aggressive and just couldn't control himself and had to not only download the images, but then distribute them. This excuse didn't pan out for Irving, and he was sentenced to 20 years in the clink. Because you know how I like the word the clink. I actually kind of like the clink too. I think it's a good word. I agree with you. I didn't know that. Do you know um, who I don't like? Irving. Yeah. I didn't know that West Nile could cause you um, to be sexually aggressive. Yeah, Charity. This has been another case for the, you know, the more you know. Do-do-do-do. Yeah. Douchebag edition. Oh, want to do that? We should. That's a really good new segment. Yeah, this... Whole oh this whole segment I hate yeah. I hate these guys I hate these things I'm sorry but at least they got caught yeah 100 percent and it just shows how absolutely stupid they are yeah when idiots the, when the FBI caught Florida man William Slater with 79 pictures of child porn on his computer through his IP address he was shocked he was arrested and he could only think of one reason these pictures were found on his computer he quickly tried to throw his 80 year old father under the bus. At the time, he had been visiting from Pennsylvania. William is now in jail serving time on child pornography charges. He threw his dad under the bus, the sicko. What a scumbag. Good All these God. are scumbags. Hopefully somebody in prison is listening to their names right now. Exactly. That's why I put their taking, full names in. Taking notes. Yeah. Hey, it's public knowledge, guys. Sorry. Yeah, Gross charity. I don't know. What a bunch of fucking... <gasps> Mark. Oh, I caught myself. I caught it. Mark. I, it was half out of my mouth. I caught it. You do have the button on your side. I Ooh, do. I want to get one of those extendy things. So you can hit the button. So like I can just... Yeah. Like you just go from over here because I'm not that far across. Because I need to do that sometimes, too. I wish I could give you a buzzer, too. I know. I want my own button, guys. <sighs> well, moving on, Charity. What is today's case? Today's case is um, about Samuel Legg third, and it's quote-unquote Dr. No. Now, this case has a lot to do with mental illness. So I just want to say that right off the bat. It's, right from the beginning. Okay. Um, and, you know, again, one of those cases where if someone, maybe if someone had stepped in, None of these things would have happened. Oh, one of the ones that make me mad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, carry on. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Samuel Legg III was born in Tucson, Arizona in August of 1969. He had quite a large family with several brothers and sisters. At some point during the 1970s, his parents divorced, so he was still, you know, a young boy. Samuel would move to Akron, Ohio with his father. His parents divorcing would be hard enough for a young child, but then to be taken away from his home, away from his mother, must have caused emotional distress. His father did remarry. And he and his new wife were said to be extremely strict. Here we go. We, these, these are We've the heard this before. Have, and punishments were very harsh. This would greatly affect his personality, causing him to become an introvert during his youth. In fact, during interactions with other kids his age, he would be short-tempered. Because of this, other children didn't really want to be around him. That's really sad. It is, but you got to look at it from multiple things. Kids don't really know what's going on and they don't know how to process things. Exactly. So this is kind of his way of processing it. But at the same token, these other kids don't realize that right. and they just see somebody who's short tempered and mean. Yeah. So you kind of see both sides of this. I, under- I understand that. And I mean, you can't force a kid to be around someone that's being mean to them either. It really makes me think back now when the more cases we cover, it makes me think back to my childhood and how people acted and stuff. Me too. And it really makes me think what happened with a lot of this stuff back in the day. I do too, because I think of, you know, kids back when I was a kid, you know, even out at recess or whatever that were acting a certain way or acting out or always in trouble. And as a kid at the time, you just would say, oh my God, that kid's a bad kid. Well, looking back now, who knows what was going on in their home life? I know. It's sad. Things weren't as prevalent back then. It is. So anyways, it sounds like he was really pretty miserable at home because of all the punishments and stuff and, you know, ended up being a loner without any friends, which is very sad. It of course is. By the time he was 19, his mother and step siblings from her second marriage moved to Ohio. This was in 1988. And this sounds like to me, she, and we've heard this in many of our stories, that she met someone new, had a whole new family and kind of maybe... Forgot about her old family. Yeah, that's sad. You know, because like, this is my new family. It has happened. Like I said, all of our creeps, you know, they're on board just like us. They're discovering all these cases. But the more and more we, we, we uh, first day Englishing, guys, I messed that one up. <laughs> Sorry. I love, yeah, guys, guess what? Because he doesn't cut mine out hardly anymore. And I'm glad that he didn't cut that out. Nah, I just left it. Let's just roll. Let's just go. Like I was so eloquently trying to say before, the more we cover these cases, They eerily follow the same timeline. The same things happen to the people. It's very sad. And I'm hoping at least so that what we cover and what everybody else covers, maybe we can start to identify this stuff and address it a little more. Right. Maybe, maybe like at an earlier time so that it can stop it from progressing. There should be a class in school that teaches this stuff. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Exactly. Also around this time, Samuel would meet Nancy Hicks in Elriah, Ohio. Did I say that right? No. All right, so just for the creeps, we had to stop for 30 seconds to look it up and realize it was spelt wrong on the paperwork because we couldn't figure out how to pronounce it, and we punched it into Google, and Google's like, you sure you mean that? Google's it's like, not this? Google's, Google actually spoke and told us we were dumbasses, or it, me, told me I was a dumbass. It was like, are you sure you want to go with that spelling, or would you like the correct one? <laughs> I love it. Sorry about that, guys. Oh. The, re- the relationship seemed pretty normal in the beginning, but things started to change after they got married. Samuel became the stepfather of Nancy's 14-year-old daughter, and it was clear 
Samuel was jealous of Nancy's attention toward her daughter. Um, I hate this stuff. It's her daughter. That's not normal. This drives me nuts, Charity. You hear this. I just had like duck lips when I said that. I just. You did. (laughs) It's weird. That's not normal though. I'm sorry. No, not at all. But it's all too, you know, know, commonly done. I, I see this all the time. You give your kid more attention than me. Exactly. It's sickening. She would witness him telling many lies, many times telling people he was older than he was. I wonder like if that could be because he thought if people thought he was older, they would give him more respect. I mean, I don't know. That's just a weird thing too, I don't right? Get it. Nancy kind of like chalked all this up to just character flaws and kind of looked past it. But Angela, Nancy's daughter, thought his actions were very strange and never accepted him as a father figure. Good. Smart kid. Yeah. Samuel continued with lie after lie. I guess you could kind of refer to him as a pathological liar. His first arrest was in 1989, and it was for theft in Lorain County. He was no longer just telling lies. He had progressed to crimes. So you're going to see as we go on and on how, that, like in many cases, there was many slaps on the hand. We see that in a lot of these. It's sad. It's very sad. But also our human nature charity is to see the best in people. So I think we try to see past it. I know. Here's where it gets ucky. Okay. Nancy's daughter, Angela, went missing on July 21st, 1990. Police immediately suspected Samuel. When questioned by authorities, he would say that the teenager left the house while her mom was at work and never came back. So he had no idea where she could be. All of Angela's belongings were left at the house, so Nancy and others close to the family thought his his account of this was strange. So if she just left, like she was going to go leave with some friends or something, all of her sneakers were there, all of her shoes were there, all of her clothes were there. It, she took nothing of personal value. So Let's be honest here. Kids that age are very into their stuff. Very into their stuff. So that is very out of character. Mm-hmm. Nancy would even question him pleading for answers. Unfortunately, the mother's fears became true when Angela's remains were found oh at Midway Mall in Lorain County that August. Samuel wasn't arrested, but he was detained and given a polygraph test. The test came back inconclusive, and even though the police had a good amount of circumstantial evidence that he committed the murder, they couldn't arrest him because they didn't have enough. And, you know, back then, DNA and stuff wasn't like it was. Uh, and people really didn't trust it when it first came out either. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let me let me rephrase that. Uh, people who committed crimes that didn't want, you know, people to find out they committed crimes, their defense attorneys made it seem like you know DNA was very not trustworthy. Well, and the thing also with him is because he wasn't arrested because they didn't have an, enough physical evidence, they were not able to get any DNA samples from him because. They didn't have grounds for it. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of a crappy situation. Yeah. But anyways, just the thought that this man could have done this to her daughter. Nancy, of course, divorced him. Good. Smart. Nancy. Peace. You are. You're a hero. Yeah. A lot of times you'll see these people stand by their man who are accused of these things. And I don't have any respect for them. None. None. After the divorce in 1991, Samuel moved to Cleveland and started to work as a truck driver. Just what you want, a scumbag on the road. He would drive through many different states and would very much enjoy hanging out with prostitutes and pimps. Wow, yeah. Yeah. 
1992, he committed theft once again and was given a year of probation. So no locking up for him, though. Just, you know, some more probation. He remarried during this time and fathered a child. The marriage was a short one, and he was divorced again by 1994. That's that's scary that he had a child, but yeah, I, it's clear that the child, like reading on, you're going to find out that the child is not with him at all. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Three years later, in 1997, he was arrested again, but cooperated with the police and again only received probation. This was in Cuyahoga County. <laughs> Cuyahoga, yeah, that sounds right. Cuyahoga County. Yeah. Do you think? When I can't pronounce it better than Charity did, I just say, you're right. right. <laughs> See? See how he is, guys. Is it Cuyahoga? <laughs> but again, just probate. Yeah, they'll, the creeps will let us know how to properly say it, I hope. This should be a new charity drinking game. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Yeah. Every time charity messes up a word, you have to take a shot. That can be on our what's going to be live show. We should do another live show. Soon. Okay. I don't get. I don't do shots though. Can I do my wine? Not you. They have to. <gasps> oh, I like that even better. Yes. Not. Why would I have you do shots? I need you to be able to read your paperwork. Yeah, but over then there. all the creeps are going to get really drunk because I messed them up so. They'll much. like us even more. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand like why his past arrest or arrests, I should say, and possibly being a murderer didn't factor into this. Like, how? Don't they, wasn't there a way for them to track that a criminal? You would think, but we also, you know, don't know what the connectedness of the system. But yeah, continuingly giving people probation time and time again, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of probation? Well, yeah. And I mean, this wasn't that long ago. I mean, this was in, you know, 1997. Still, 97, we, you know, it was a different world back then. It really was. True. All right. So here's something to show us how old we really are, Charity. I'm not old, Mark. You just said 1997. How many years ago that was? Nope. No, seriously. I don't want to. 97 to 07. 07 to 17. So there's 20. Now add on five more. That's 25 years ago. Mark, I was, just, I was just a baby in 1997. All right, Charity. 1997. <laughs> I'm going to take 1997 in my phone now. Mark, don't do it. <laughs> do you remember back in 1997? No, I was too young. When we were, you know, growing up and in high school. Stop saying When that. you thought, when somebody said back to, you know, remember back in 1972 and you're like, that's a long time ago. I know. That's the same time frame, Charity. I know. That was 25 I years previous. I was just talking about like in, 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 you know, law and criminal stuff. I know. It's just like we lose that sense of time. We you got to remember that is still. It's a long time ago. You tell me in law the things that were happening in 1997 True. as opposed to 1972. True. Exactly. You're right. You're there, right. It doesn't seem that, like a lot, right. but it is a lot. That makes a lot of sense when you put it like that. It's I, the only way we could make sense yeah. of it. That's a huge difference. We yeah, didn't even is. have an idea what DNA was in 1972. No. And it was just starting to really be coming to the forefront in the 90s. That's true. Now look where we are now. I know. Like you can have your others, you know, mothers, uncles, brothers, sisters, best friend do a test on, you know, that thing that tells you your heritage and stuff. And yeah. then you can find a killer from 80, 87 years ago. Oh, well, just watch. Just listen on. Oh, did I call this one? <laughs> kind of, but not really. Oh, guys, sorry. Yeah. I will. Zip the lips now. Zip your lips, Mark. So by the time it was 2001, Samuel was back in Tucson and started his own landscape company. He got married once again, but only for two years. He started to show signs of mental illness and the marriage fell apart along with his company. So I don't think he started to show 
I think he had the mental illness. And brewing. maybe it was starting to be seen a little better. Exactly. But as you can see, like he's having trouble holding down a job. He is marrying people left and right, but it's only for like a couple of years. He's just clearly struggling through, you know? See, I don't know where this case goes yet. So I, I have learned a lesson now to not try to make accusations or assumptions right. because right. he might be a good guy or he might not be. And I don't know. But again, nobody's seems to be trying to like get him help or, or convince him, hey, man, maybe you should go get some help. He was eventually extradited back to Cahoga County for alimony evasion and received six months of community service. Father of the year. Yeah. Let's, let's fast forward to 2014. Samuel had been a busy boy and accrued more than one mild offense. This led to his arrest and he was charged in 2015. He was released on bail and took off, never showing up for his trial in April. He was added to a wanted list in the hopes he would get picked up somewhere along the line. So they were hoping, you know, kind of like Israel Keys. Yep. You know what I mean? He got caught a, a, tra- a traffic offense. You're it's a mass- so you're, funny that they do all these things to killer. evade. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and that's how you get caught. Exactly. Just a few days after he took off, Samuel was found in a desert area not far from Tucson. He seemed out of it and couldn't tell the police why he was out there. He looked very confused walking around aimlessly. He kept rambling on, not making much sense at all. And he then finally told police that he was out there to meet a relative for dinner. Hmm. Sounds different. Mm -hmm. When they asked Samuel to call the relative to to try to confirm his story. This is actually really sad. He put his hand up to his ear as if it was a phone. So that's how. So obviously appeared that he was suffering from mental illness. And on top of the confusion, he was extremely dehydrated and his skin was significantly burned from the sun. So he must have, he was, he was out there for that full three days, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. After doctors did a full examination, it was realized he had an infection called neurosyphilis. This is an infection of the central nervous system. The infection caused him to develop schizophrenia. If this was discovered earlier on, many lives would have been saved. Samuel was sent to a psychiatric hospital for treatment. This is so sad. It's so sad. At some point during this time, he was taken in on an outstanding warrant and pleaded guilty to the misdemeanor. Again, because there was no jail time, they wouldn't take any DNA samples from him. And if this was done, it would have been very helpful in solving more than one unsolved homicide. See, I don't know this case, and you keep saying DNA, and it, ah, so now I know this is playing something. Charity, you are completely setting the story up good. I got to give you that, because I am enthralled and want to know more. Thanks, Mark. Actually, this particular case was the first case that I had one of my researchers help me research. And her oh. name is Tammy. Tammy, thank you. Thank you very much, I think much, I know Tammy. Tammy. I think you do. Actually, I do know Tammy. You okay. do know Tammy. This is the Tammy I know. This is the Tammy you know. Hi, Tammy. <laughs> Hi, Tammy. The court did, however, mandate that he receive mental health treatment. Well, that's definitely good because clearly he, he needs it. I guess if a defendant looks like they are a danger to themselves or others, Arizona law allows judges to commit them to a psychiatric hospital or group home. The judge must have thought he was a danger to himself because of the state he was in when he was found in the desert. Samuel was sent to a nursing home in Chandler, Arizona for ongoing treatment. So you'll hear along the lines in this as we talk 
Uh, sometimes they refer to it as a nursing home and sometimes they refer to it as like a group home. They're kind of the same thing, I guess, because they're getting treatment while they're there. It's not just him, though. So this makes me wonder if he was sent to a county facility, which this would be what it was. Most counties have a nursing home, but that's also where the county has, you know, their mental institutions as well. Yep. So it makes me wonder if that is what this is. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but uh, he was assigned a caseworker at this particular home or whatever and moved to Jessamel Manor, a group home uh, nearing the end of 2015. So near the end of 2015, he's now in a group home slash whatever you want to call it. Okay. Uh, but only a short time after Samuel arrived at the group home, he made his first escape, but was found and returned. His first escape, Mark. First, okay. Just wait. March of 2016, an employee noticed his room was empty and his clothes were also missing. He was supposed to be taking a nap. It looked as if he might have gone out the window. Guys, I have, I have some questions. If this dude's a flight risk, why weren't measures taken to keep him from escaping? Why did his windows open? That's what I'm saying. I mean, hello. He's clearly fly. All right. Right after the first escape, there should have been things put in place, I feel like. I got to ask the creeps this. When I say, I say that phrase a lot. Hello, McFly. <laughs> Don't say what it is, Charity. Oh, I know what it is. Do you know what it is, creeps? Oh, if they do, they can leave us um, five stars and just say the, say the movie it's from. Absolutely. That would be cool. And the first person who does that. Ooh, what are they getting? And posts a review, screenshots the review, and sends it to info at casewatchpodcast.com. I'll send you a t-shirt. Ooh, that's exciting. That is. Leave a five-star review, people. Put the name on, and the first one who sends me the screenshot of their review, like I said, you're going to have a Case Watch shirt sending your way. I like it. I do, too. I'm wearing it right now. Oh, I love that. Okay, so there was speculation um, that when he escaped that he was going to try to go back to Tucson somehow. Okay. So I don't know if he like talked about it or, you know, just made it clear that he really wants to go back to Tucson. I don't know. A trash bag with Samuel's belongings and ID were found not so far from the group home. Shortly after, residents of the area reported him roaming around the neighborhood. Only a week after he was returned to the home, he escaped once again. All right. So now... Three, I have three. issues. Yeah. Now, yeah, what is that exactly. old fool me once? I won't yeah. fool me. Mess you up. Yeah, blah, blah. This guy's now escaped twice mm -hmm. and now just escaped again. Yep. Maybe do something different. I mean, I if mean, you continue to do the same thing, the outcome will be the same. Well, and maybe this is not the facility for him. <laughs> Correct. Like, I mean, come on. Hello, people. This time, he waited for an employee to use the bathroom, and then he just jumped the fence. Luckily, the police were able to catch him quickly as he headed for the freeway. I call it the highway, but Mark tells me I'm wrong. <laughs> it's called the interstate. That said freeway. Anyways, another escape was in March 2016. Within two days, a man would call police reporting a suspicious man looking as if he ne needed medical attention. Chandler police found him nearby the man's home and brought him back to the hospital. Oh my God. Like I can't like, <laughs> how is this got your escape person again? Uh, Hello. Uh, but you think the police would have reported it? Yeah, you would think Samuel was attending a group church event at Chandler first assembly of God in February of 2017 when he went missing again. So they had a group outing to church and poof, he's gone again. See, now this is my problem. Let's let a guy who keeps breaking out of the facility, let's let him out. Uh, 
and let him go to, That's you know, the other I don't thing. get this stuff. This time, the Chandler police put his picture in the newspaper and asked for the help of the public to find him. He was found in Tempe, looking tired and dirty. All right. Tempe? Tempe. There he was go. found in Tempe, looking tired and dirty. Thank you, Mark. The police nabbed him and fed him pizza. Here's a little side note. A month after Samuel's last escape, the group home he was living at was inspected by the Arizona Department of Health Services. Let's just say it didn't go well. The home was cited for leaving doors opened and unlocked, putting their residents in danger. Duh. I'm pretty sure the 87 escapes that happened previous would have, uh, you know, said that same thing. Uh, but that really didn't deter because <laughs> February of 2017. Oh my God, no. On another group outing, he was found trying to hitchhike his way back to Tucson. <laughs> they should get somebody who just takes out a billboard with this guy's face on it and says, if you see him out and about, just call this number. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. He's like, he's really good at escaping. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think he is. I just think they're dumb. Do you know what else I'm surprised at? I'm What's surprised that? that no one else who was living in the group home tried to escape, seeing how easy it was for him to escape. Well, I mean, <laughs> you see them keep coming back. So I'm pretty sure they, they know he ain't going to make it very long. That's true. <laughs> Samuel would unsuccessfully attempt to escape two more times a month later. Oh my God. By the middle of 2017, his mental state had gotten significantly worse. He was often disoriented and described hallucinations. By December of 2018, this mentally impaired man was able to yet again escape two more times. This was said to be to do the corruption of the facility. No. All right. You got to beep that. No people. Okay. I'm starting to run out of fingers and toes to count these escapes on. Um, I can't even believe it. I know. This is nuts. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I actually wrote the swear word down in all caps so I could like look at it at least. Okay, well, I I beeped it in all caps. Oh, thanks, Mark. There you go. Around this time, Ohio investigators noticed DNA from three different homicide victims matched each other but weren't in the database. Even though Samuel's DNA wasn't in the database, a new method was used by the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigations. They could now search the DNA database looking for family members of the suspect. Guess what, Mark? What's that? Samuel's very own brother was in the system. You don't say. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Makes me wonder what he's in the system for. I don't I didn't really say what he was in jail for. I, I could have I don't know. But it's so glad to know that, you know, they're following the same footsteps as each other. Investigators quickly found out that Samuel was a suspect, really the only suspect of the nineteen ninety seven murder of Angela Hicks. Remember his stepdaughter? Oh, yeah. A rape kit had been done on her. Oh, thank God. At the time, and it was preserved. Thank God. Yep. When they compared Samuel's DNA, it revealed a direct match. What a scumbag. So not only did he kill her, he... I'm sorry, but what makes it even worse, it was his stepdaughter. His stepdaughter. I know. It, none of this is acceptable. Don't no. let me... Don't let that come off that way, but this is... Even worse. He was extradited from Arizona back to the Midwest. In January, the sick man's DNA was used to connect him to the murders of four women. A 17-year-old was raped on September 1997 in Medina County, Ohio, near I-71. He was arrested on January 28th, 2019 and extradited back to Ohio and charged with this rape. So this girl didn't die. So the stepdaughter was the first death. This was a rape. Didn't say the girl's name for obvious reasons. She was underage. Uh, but he, for all those years, 
they now knew it was him who raped her. His DNA was also connected to the death of Sharon Lynn Kedzerski. She went missing on October 25th, 1989 from Miami Lakes, Florida. She was just 43 at the time. Her dead body was found at a truck stop in Austintown, Ohio, April of 1992. She had been horribly beaten, then strangled. Samuel was charged with three counts of aggregated murder for the killing. His defense lawyers asked that he have an evaluation to see if he was mentally fit for trial, and this was granted. It was ruled that he was not mentally fit. He was then committed by the courts to the Twin Valley Behavioral Health Center, located in Columbus, Ohio. This was in June of 2019. By July of 2020, Samuel's DNA was hit again in the murder of Julie A. Conkle on October 23rd, 1997. She was just 39 at the time. Her body was found in an abandoned truck stop near the Wisconsin border. Julie was living out of her van at the time and washing cars for some money when she was picked up by Samuel, who was charged with two counts of first-degree murder for her death. August of 2020, another murder was linked to the DNA. Victoria Collins' body was found naked behind 76 truck stop in Stony Ridge. She was 27 at the time. Victoria was was an exotic dancer and drug user. For this reason, at first, her death was said to be from cardiac arrest. This was her cause of death for almost two decades. Oh, wow. That is, until Samuel was found to be her murderer through the DNA. Sad to think that her family and friends thought she accidentally killed herself for all those years when the reality was the poor woman was murdered, whether she was a drug addict or not. That's horrible. It's very sad. The worst part about that is, like, you you just kind of struck on it. Yep. When you had said, you know, what people had thought because she's a drug addict. Yep. You know that there was people from that community who did not give this poor woman the respect she was due because she thought, you know, they thought that, you know, it was her fault. She's a drug addict. It's this or that. That's horrible. So other than his stepdaughter, these other women that he killed was during the time he was a truck driver. And I believe Dr. No was his handle. Oh, wow. Great. That's what I think was handle. And he would, a lot of them, I don't know, but he did hang out with a lot of the you know, prostitutes and in kind of seedy areas. And yep. he probably thought maybe I'll get somebody that won't be found or, you know, just like all the other things. Yeah, it's sad. Samuel has not been able to stand trial for his crimes due to his severe mental state. As of July 2021, 51-year-old Samuel is locked up at the Twin Valley Behavioral Health Care Facility in Columbus, Ohio. This is a maximum security facility, much like a prison. Let's hope this sick man can get some help so that the families of the victims can get some justice. So I think we need more of these facilities. I agree. I think I honestly think that there are many, many mentally ill criminals in jail and they're just sitting there not getting help. And if they were to be released, the same thing you we've talked about this again and again, Mark. This is what makes me wonder. Because this guy went around with a disease that was undiagnosed that basically that disease kind of eats your brain. It does. So it makes me wonder if this kind of made him who the person he turned out to be. Which is very sad if that's the case. And if he had gotten the help years ago with what he had, maybe he would have been a totally different productive member of society. Maybe. I mean, uh, the thing that bothers me about him is he seemed fairly... He seemed pr- actually pretty functioning when he married his first wife yep. and killed the stepdaughter. That that and bothers I, me because it, w- it does me too. Yeah, but it does not mean 
so you got to remember your brain has so many different areas that control different aspects of True. your thinking and how you conduct. Whereas one of your parts of your brain, let's say here, I'm pointing to this part right here. This controls this, this, and this. Right. But this part that's messed up over here controls that. Mm-hmm. You don't know. That's the problem. The brain is like the ocean to me. It, it's vastly oh, yeah. huge, even though it's such a small area inside of your body. It's like I said, it's it's depths are unknown in what can and can't happen in there. Right. I don't think we still have a firm, you know, grasp on it. Oh, definitely not. You know, at least at least he it looks like he'll never see the light of day regardless. But it would be nice for these families. I mean, maybe maybe just by him being in there, yeah. not not seeing the light of day is not justice that you can't say <sighs> it's ever justice. See, this but. is like I said, it, it's it's a double-edged sword because you do have these families at the end of the day, who still lost their loved ones. They did. This is sad all the way around. Super sad. Well, Charity, I got to give you and your research assistant, Tammy, a high five on this. That was a great case. And to all of our crime creeps, make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod. Follow us on Instagram, guys. I am inching closer. I am. Hey, hey. It is T-Mark more than ever before. It has never been this close. I am at not Mark B. Charity is at charity underscore case watch. Guys, I need your help more than ever. He's only five behind me now. He used to be like eight. I don't know what's going on. I love it though. I don't know what's going on either. <laughs> Text and voicemail line is 603-212-4600. And until the next episode, have a great day. Bye guys. See ya. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.